and welcome to the next episode of the Enterprise Doctor Business Show. I am Mark Harris. I am the Enterprise Doctor, and I am delighted to have with me today Natasha Kearslake of Organic P&O Solutions. How are you, Natasha? I'm very well, thank you, Mark. How are you today? Good. You know what? I'm I'm pretty good today, actually, which is quite nice. I want to start by asking you about that company name, Organic P&O Solutions. So firstly, what does P&O stand for? And secondly, has a certain shipping line given you any grief about their intellectual property? <laughs> That's a really good question. Um, the business is called Organic P&O Solutions. The P and the O stand for people and organizations. Okay. It was formerly organic HR solutions because I believe people grow organically. I haven't met a manufactured person yet. And the idea is that we help people and organizations to work better. Um, in answer to your second question, have P&O been in touch? <laughs> as soon as I changed my name at company's house, yes, they certainly did get in touch. Really? They did. And they did request that I took the P&O out of the name and talk to me about their 150-something year heritage. However, I also then went to the register and looked to see how many businesses had been registered as P&O and dissolved quite quickly in response. And it was about 50%. And there were lots of other businesses that had retained their P&O initials. Really? So I decided that my little tiny business, I was a freelancer when I first set up seven years ago, was of no threat to them as a business, that I wasn't yeah. taking their branding. It was just two letters of 26. And yeah. then if I based it on that, I was probably going to upset somebody somewhere. So we retained it. And I'm working on the assumption that you don't sell cruises. We do not sell cruises. And therefore, there's really not much competition there. So that's what you don't do. So tell us a bit about what you do do. And what I'd really like to know as well is what do you do now? What is it that... You, your, your company name has the word solutions in it, which I really like. I like companies that offer solutions and you're brave enough to put the, the word in the company name. So what's the problem? What is it right now? In it's, We're recording this on the 29th of April, just to put it into context for people. We're in lockdown. It's all there. What are the problems that your clients have for which you are the solution? It's a really interesting um it's a really interesting question, Mark, and it's one that we love to toy with. Um, I guess the most important strand of what we do is that we help people with people problems. So if they've got a situation where something is changing in their business, it's going to have an impact on whoever is working in that business, whether they're a leader of the business, whether they're a middle manager, whether it's a business owner or whether it's an employee. And all of those different perspectives bring different ways of looking at the same problem. What we tend to find is that we know our way around employment law well enough to be able to keep people on the right side of the employment law. But once they know the rules, it's having the conversations to go with those rules that they struggle the most with. I think in today's climate, when we, and a really good example would be the recent furlough arrangements that came out. Yes. This is something that we knew was needed it's 
it's been, in my opinion, it's been something that was very welcomed and very important. And there's been a massive take up. The biggest issue that we've helped people with is how to have a conversation about whether to furlough, whether not to furlough, how to talk to somebody about making that change, that variation to their contract to do it. Okay. And then how to talk about bringing them through it. Now, that's really very interesting because I've seen about a zillion websites, which are all very good, which all detail out the rules about furlough, how you do it, the mechanics of it. You know, you sign here, you email this, here's some wording to put to your staff, whatever, but but mostly about how you get the money from the government and what's commissionable and there. But what you're talking about is, is almost the human side of that. It's, it's how do you actually do that in a nice way, in a way that retains the goodwill of the staff that, that works for your company? For me, it is about having the conversation. And one of the things we haven't done through the crisis so far is try to become COVID-19 furlough agreement process. We specialize in helping people navigate change and then we make sure we know what we need to know about their business their sector their circumstances and in this case make sure we're up to date with the government guidance to help them through that process i find anything that's to do with people tends to be it's a bit like a game of rugby in that you don't know which way the ball is going to bounce until it's hit the ground so it's not until you've given the information to somebody that you know what their response is and how to navigate it. So what we tend to do is tell people, we furnish them with enough information to know how to stay within the rules. And then we stay available to talk to them and navigate the response. I love that rugby ball analogy. I, I will steal that from you if I may. <laughs> so what, what kinds of out what kinds of conversations are you actually having clearly you can't breach any confidences about specific no. clients i wouldn't ask you to but what kinds of conversations are you having and and where is it that clients are really picking up on what you're saying and really appreciating the value of engaging with you the needs are so varied the bigger businesses need support in terms of practical conversations with people who are now working from home. How do I monitor what somebody's doing? Do I need to monitor in that way? We would challenge, you know, do you need to manage somebody that tight? Do you have to see what they're doing? Or do you need to, be able to have a conversation about the results and what you're expecting? So the remote work has really emphasized, for me, it started to really emphasize the need to talk more about performance more than they have done in the past because they have to rely on what they're discussing more than what they're seeing. So there's been an element in larger businesses that are fully functioning but functioning in different ways where they've needed more to develop more coaching behaviours or more questioning styles or better listening skills. So there are things where we're just giving them practical pointers about how to do that and maintain some of our coaching relationships with senior people. On the other side, we've also had smaller businesses that have had to move very, very quickly and quicker than the guidance had come out in the first place. Mm -hmm. So it was about making sure that they were furnished with enough robust information, but also by helping them not move too fast, 
when they didn't have the right information or weren't ready to move yet, making sure that they held their nerve a little bit before putting people into a, a different job environment or situation. I think a really good example of that would be businesses that started to think about restructuring before we knew what the government's furlough scheme even was going to be. So they moved straight to what are my what ifs, but moved quite quickly to those what ifs. And we had to say, right, okay, well, this is the time for, you now's the time for these what ifs. And in about a month's time, if your cash flow can handle it, let's then look at the next stage of what ifs. And that's where we found we've worked between kind of two camps. People that needed to move very, very fast and people needing to think longer term. You talked about the remote working angle and the management of people and stuff. In, in my experience, there's plenty of middle and senior managers who fought against home working because they can't manage remotely. They don't know how to manage remotely. There's a trust issue. Mm-hmm. And now the decision as to whether or not to allow home working has been taken away from them. Home working is happening. So are you talking to people like that about how best to deal with that? And how, how are they feeling now? Because they, they had a firm belief and that, that, that it's not a good thing. And now they've got to do it. There are lots of different things that I'm seeing surface in response to that. I agree with you. My experience has also been that there are many people who were very anti-homeworking, partly because of trust partly because they just couldn't see it and partly because they have premises and there was no need to really consider that. And they had this notion that if people were working in the same space, they would be more productive. And I think that has its place. I don't think that's disappeared. I think there is an element of losing productivity because teams can't get to openly discuss things together in a setting. So I don't think I don't think the absence of it forever is a solution in itself. What I have noticed, though, is that there were, we're, we're homeworking, but we're homeworking in some circumstances that aren't really conducive to homeworking, too. So whilst there are people that are getting some great results because they're homeworking, we've also got people that are homeworking with caring responsibilities for elderly people or caring responsibilities for young children. And therefore, their experience of homeworking isn't necessarily as brilliant as we would want it to be. Mm. I'm interested now to see where thinking goes in the next four to probably eight weeks, really, as this becomes a prolonged situation. Mm. Because there will be some myths that get dispelled and there'll be some myths, I think, that will get maintained because they'll associate traditional or good ways of homeworking with our current situation. And what I'm doing is challenging clients of mine to look at what they're actually needing to achieve, the types of results they really need from those people, and how they need to flex expectations and hours so that we can really get people to feel productive. And that's happened equally in my own team too. Yeah. You talked a little bit about sort of the there about the maybe four to eight weeks more of furlough and how that will bed in. I'm interested in two things. One is is before and the other is after. So before we'd heard of coronavirus, what were you talking about with your clients then? In what way were you the solution for their problem then that actually has just wafted away? Or are you still 
doing the same as you always did, but you're now talking about things like furlough and remote working as well. And go on, I'll deal with that first and as far as the past goes, but then I want to ask you about the future. Do you know the most prevalent thing that I've noticed over the last probably three to four weeks is that quite often we were wanted, it was wanted that for us to be on site. So if there was a, a board meeting and they wanted senior HR presence in that meeting, mm-hmm. it was, please, can you come to our meeting? We work with a couple of large international clients and we're their UK presence. And with those zones don't allow it and there isn't a physical presence for us to be there. So in that sense, we've always worked and been a UK HR resource that's remote. But for many of our medium-sized businesses, it was usually, can you come on board meeting day and can you discuss it so that everybody gets the benefit of that? Yep. What we're seeing now, though, is that we have Microsoft Teams, we have Zoom, we have WebEx, we've got access to all of those different platforms. And we're actually able to be more available to them more readily because we're not traveling for two hours to get to a board meeting to do an hour, hour and a half slot. We can just come in at the relevant time in yeah. a virtual setting. Yeah. And then we can talk to the whole team and we're not disseminating information then later. So it's actually made our delivery for senior HR support much more fluid and much more accessible. And you talked about the next four, you mentioned the next four to eight weeks, which I guess is your feel for the extended lockdown and how long it may go on for. And I hope your four is a lot more accurate than your eight, but time (laughs) will tell. But there will come a time when we will look back on this, that as the saying goes, this too will pass. And I'm interested to know what you think, given the changes that you've just said and the more streamlined you know, just doing stuff by video and, and being there for the 10 minutes of the board meeting you need to be there for. So what do you think? Clearly you don't know, but what do you think for, never mind four to eight weeks, four to eight months or four to eight years, is this, is the legacy of coronavirus, the business legacy of coronavirus going to be changes in the way that we do things? Or are we just going to go back to the way it was before? I, I think it's, um, there's some interesting timescales in there. So um, I think this, um, I think if we came out of this scenario, in whether it's four weeks, four months or, or eight years, I think if we come out of this scenario without changes, we will have missed some serious tricks. I think whenever we are in a situation where we don't know how it works, there are accidents that we find along the way that are helpful. And I think minds change about what's important and what's possible. So I think from my perspective, one of the things that I'm hoping to see change is the degree of flexibility in working hours and working times. Something that I've, I think even as an HR profession, we need to get better at nationally is understanding that people work outside of traditional office hours, even in a traditional office setting that productivity levels vary, that with a couple of hours of focus time, we can produce better results sometimes than a longer stretch of time that we've allowed for. So I think for me, there's a productive 
there are some productivity lessons that can be learned. Mm. Equally, there are some, so it will dispel some myths about that. I also think that different styles of operating start to show up in these kinds of times. So people lend themselves better to some circumstances than others. Yes. And it just creates a different lens and a different way of looking at that. So my hope is that people will become more curious for some of the some of the things that are considered more luxurious and realize they're more actually probably more essential than we might have realized. So different working patterns, different working styles, different personalities. Yeah. And I'm hoping that people will become more curious and more interested for not just how they like to work, but the impact of how they work on other people and what might need to make that smoother. Absolutely. I I agree with everything you just said. And I would just add a couple of words that that those comments you made, which is is not only more essential, but more achievable as well. There were things that we thought we couldn't do, like have people working effectively from home and still achieving their objectives. And yet we're achieving them. Clearly, the, the virus is a bad thing. There are just too many bereavements to count and to think about the economy is global economy is decimated and and but you know this too will pass and i think that if we don't learn from and benefit from some of the things that we've been forced to do now not everything we've been forced to do is a good thing uh, or we would want to replicate but there are some things where I think they will be positive changes for business. And time will tell, time will tell. I knew that you would be a really interesting person for me to talk to. And I'm not always right, but this time I was. It's, I found it really interesting. I really hope the listeners have found it interesting as well. I, I, would, I would like to think so. I'd be surprised if they haven't. If listeners have found it interesting, if they want to talk to you about anything that you've brought up today or, or to engage with you in any way, your contact details will be in the notes as part of the podcast in the app on people's devices linked to your website social media whatever and i'm sure you're comfortable with them getting in touch with you of course good good and for those who want to talk to me hopefully to say nice things my contact details are there as well i am mark harris of enterprise doctor advice and support for businesses and i've been having a really nice conversation with natasha kearslake of organic p and o solutions there will be another podcast episode released soon so please do stay subscribed the next one will be completely different but hopefully just as interesting but for now this is mark harris of enterprise doctor signing off